0: Faith is that which undergirds the entire life of the child of God. We've been studying faith during the evenings here on Sunday. Last month we finished a series on the subject of love, and now we've been talking about faith. And I mentioned early on at the outset of this series that faith and love is, is a marvelous combination What we do is by faith, and it's a faith which worketh by love. And so this evening, as we bring this particular study to a close, the message is entitled, By Faith. When you study the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 11, you'll find that all of those great heroes of faith from biblical history had operated by faith. Everything they did, it was by faith. Confidence in the character of God. Confidence in who He is and who He will continue to be. And acting in compliance with His divine will. Now 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 7 as was just read a few moments ago states that everything we do is by faith because we were walking by faith and not by sight. Now, previous to that, as the fourth chapter of 2 Corinthians closes, in verse 16 of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul talks about that outward man which perishes. But the inward man, he says, is renewed day by day. But then he talked about the afflictions that we face in this life, which he said is but for a moment. But they worketh for us at far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. But look at verse 18. He says, While we look not at the things which are seen as the things which are not, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal. But the things which are not seen are what? Eternal. And then chapter 5 opens with these words in verse 1, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. You know, Paul says, what's really real is that which you cannot see. I know that kind of sounds odd, doesn't it? But that's what really has meaning, and is that which you cannot see except through what? The eye of faith. You see, we've never seen heaven, but by faith we believe there is a heaven. And based on what John, while well, he was exiled on the island of Patmos, got a glimpse of heaven and tried to describe it in a way that was describable with earthly means, we have a glimpse of heaven. And so by faith we believe that. We're interested in that which is eternal because that which is eternal will last. We have a soul within us. Really, we are souls that are completely and temporarily have a physical body because that which is within us, who we really are, the soul of man, is that which lasts forever. It's eternal. And so with the eye of faith, we look beyond this very present realm beyond the eye of faith we're looking on to something that's bigger and better and that of course instills confidence and hope and peace within our hearts and our lives and that is the hope of heaven right but hebrews 11:1 gives us the definition of faith and three fundamental facts we didn't know about faith. And one is found right there in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. That is its definition. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. All built upon evidence. As I have mentioned before, the little boy who said in Bible class, that faith is believing what you know ain't so. He just needed to learn more, didn't he? I mean, because he, he faith is believing what we do know, right? Based upon evidence. You know, I've never seen God. Yet the evidence is there for God. I believe in him and with all of my heart. And I know that you do as well. Though I've not looked upon him face to face. But I do believe in Him, and I do believe in Him by faith. But here's another fundamental fact. Verse 6 of Hebrews 11. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, uh, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. You see, unless I have faith, I cannot please Him. I must not only believe in God but believe in His promises and I must have confidence in His word as well. And know that I shall be blessed for putting my faith in Him. But look at verse 7 of Hebrews 11. He goes on to say in verse 7 that Noah had faith and he had faith in the warnings of God. Faith in the warnings of God. The person who who takes God seriously, appreciates the very blessings and respects the warnings that come from God. But there's something else that's a fundamental fact, and that is, how is this faith instilled within us? How is it possible that it can be instilled within us? And that's where we bring Romans ten seventeen into view, that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But Romans 10, says, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. I mean, we we already learned that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So we need faith in God, don't we? That's pretty simple enough. I mean, it comes through God's inspired revelation uh, known as the Bible. And so it is when a person repents of his sins that he does so by faith. When he confesses his The sweet name of Jesus, he does so by faith. When he's baptized into Christ, he does this by faith. Faith, taking hold of God's word, right? Assures the soul that by complying with his divine will, we can have the forgiveness of our sins and we can be in God's favor. And thus we can have peace of mind, right? Right? Peace of mind. Faith is that which does all of that. Now we know that our sins are forgiven in the blood of Jesus. And Ephesians 1, 7 teaches us that. Uh, Romans 5, 9 and many other passages as well. That relate to our salvation through the blood of Jesus. Right? But you've heard me use this illustration many times before. That when one is baptized into Christ... He does not see the blood right there where, where he's in that baptistry. He looks down. He, doesn't, he just sees water. He doesn't see the blood of Jesus Christ, but he knows that when he is to be baptized in that watery grave, that he comes in contact with the blood of Jesus Christ, right? That's John nineteen thirty four there was two elements you might remember where Jesus, when he was dying on that cross, when that soldier pierced his side, there was two elements that came out. Blood and water. That's right. But we know this, that when we are baptized, we see the water. We're told to be baptized into water. We see it with the human eye, but we don't see the blood of Jesus, but we do believe that when we are buried in that watery grave, the blood is then applied. Why? By faith. You see? Romans 10, 17, Faith cometh by hearing, Hearing by the Word of God. The Word of God tells us so. You know, that's why when we sing that wonderful little song that Jesus loves me, He loves me because why? The Bible tells us so. Right? Jesus loves me. How do we know that? The Bible tells me so. Just as important it is for a child to know that and to learn that and to understand that, that Jesus loves him or her, it's important that we know the reason why we know that. And that's because the Bible tells us so. And so we have great confidence in the very word of God and so much so that it instills faith within the heart of believers. So a penitent believer is baptized into Christ, into his death, Romans 6, 3 and 4. And by faith I know that when I go down into the water and I come up out of the water, that blood has been applied to my soul. My soul. It is faith in the very operation of of God now Paul defines it this way in Colossians 2 12 when we were buried with Christ in baptism it's faith in the operation of God I, I might be the preacher I might be standing there and I might be assisting you in your baptism but I'm not baptizing you I'm only assisting in your baptism you're being baptized by the operation of God, by your faith in believing that baptism will wash away those sins. You see, that's what we have to understand here. And so it does forgive us of our sins and it's the faith that God can do what He said that He can do and that is to forgive us of our sins. And so through faith, we live our lives through faith and we look to a home that is much better than this. In Hebrews 11 and verse 10, Back to God's hall of fame of faith. It speaks of Abraham. He looked for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. There was a man who could see that which is eternal through the eye of faith. That's Abraham. He was looking down here on earth, always moving, always roaming, a pilgrim in a strange land, but looking for something that was permanent. We think of something that has foundations. We think of something that has a permanency to it, don't we? When we think about when they reconstructed the, the uh, not the twin towers themselves, but that that structure, they made sure that that foundation was way deep into that ground before they built it. It had permanency. Permanency. And so it was very important. He looked for a city which has foundations whereby one could lay down his roots and say, this is permanent. This is where I'll be forever. Are you going to live here the rest of your life? No, a home is much better waiting for us. It's better than this. And by faith, we look toward that goal. By faith, we view the prize. By faith, we have eyes and set our eyes toward heaven. Now, I say all that by way of introduction because of this. Many of our denominational friends would say, you folks don't believe in faith. You don't believe in faith. Or maybe they will make the accusation that you believe in a work salvation. Uh, We believe in faith. Well, true faith works, doesn't it? True faith works. We know that and we do believe in faith. And if we're lacking in faith, we're not right with God. For one cannot please God without faith, right? One who does not come to him with faith. But someone says, well, you're trying to work your way to heaven. No. We are not trying to work our way to heaven. We're trying to see that by living a particular kind of life that you'd be good enough to go to heaven. No. I don't know anybody who is teaching that if that's what they're teaching. That's teaching error. And we don't believe that. Just work your way to heaven. But we do believe that faith works, doesn't it? that faith complies that faith takes hold of the word of god and that true biblical faith is always active now that's that that takes away nothing from the sacrifice of christ on that cross for our sins uh, that does not mean that at all that we refuse to believe that jesus death was sacrificial on our behalf as we could be saved without his death that's impossible isn't it That's impossible. We cannot be saved without the death of Jesus. Because we have been saved by the death of Jesus, we responded to that death through our faith, you see. Our confidence in who He is and being recipients of the blessings that we can receive if only we, what, comply to His will. It's as simple as that, right? Right? And so this idea that one must be doing something to be saved is very repulsive to many religious people. And yet it's very clear, clearly taught that God's grace has been bestowed upon us by faith. And we are to take hold to that gift that has been offered to us. If I had a $100 bill, and you're probably wondering where I got that. But if I had a $100 bill and I said, this is yours. And whoever it is that I would say, this is yours. You would say, thank you and I appreciate that. But in order for you to get this $100 bill, oh, you mean there's stipulations to it. Oh, you mean you're just not handing it to me. No. There's a reason for me to give you this $100 bill and that is that you have to believe that I would give you the that one hundred dollar bill you have to do it by faith and you are like okay give me that one hundred dollar bill but you still have to what you still have to reach out and get it if you don't reach out and get it then what good is that gift you see that you receive it's nothing it's worthless it's useless because until you take it and based on the stipulations to get it what good is it None whatsoever. That's the same gift that has been offered to us. The amazing grace of Jesus' death on that cross gives us the hope of eternal life if only we what? Complot to His divine will. There's stipulations, isn't there? The gift is free, it's there. But all you have to do is obey His word, obey His commands. Now, let's come to a better understanding this evening of biblical faith. In Luke 6 and verse 46, Jesus said, And why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? I mean, that seemed rather strange to Jesus that you would claim to be a follower, yet have have no use whatsoever for his instruction. You see, genuine faith is expressed through an obedience response to his divine will. One cannot say that he is walking by faith, and yet reject the very word of God. Because indeed, faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. And then in John 17, 17, he says, Sanctify them through thy faith. Thy word is faith. Well, the only way that you would have it is to have that, thy word is truth, I'm sorry, thy word is truth and that truth is God's word and the only way that we can understand that, and know that is by faith because he told us that. Now genuine faith is expressed through that obedience response. Now in Hebrews 11, God's hall of fame of faith, right? Over and over again we find that people who were favored by God and by what God did, they walked... And what they did, they walked by faith. Look at verse 4. By faith, Abel offered. That's active, isn't it? Abel offered by faith. Look at verse 7. By faith, Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen as yet, moved with fear and prepared an ark. That's active faith, isn't it? Furthermore, in verse 8, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. That's faith in action, isn't it? By faith, Moses, verse 24, when he was come again to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with his own people, that is, the people of God, than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. So there again, it is an active faith. Now let's concentrate just for a moment that faith of Noah. By faith, Noah, there in verse 7. Here was a man who was saved by grace through faith. And yet we know what kind of faith saved him. The only kind of faith that is ever accepted by God, and that's an active, living, obedient faith. Right? Right? And so it is in Genesis 6 and verse 8 that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found divine favor before God that caused God to say this. When I destroy the world, I'm going to save this man and his family. All right. Noah found grace. Unmerited, unearned favor in the very sight of God. Now how did Noah respond to that grace by faith? Well, in Hebrews eleven seven, it says, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. And so Noah responded to that grace by faith. Do you remember what Paul had said in Ephesians 2, 8, 9? He says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So it is that Noah was saved by grace through a system of faith, but how did this faith express itself? Genesis 6, verse 22. After being received the instructions concerning the ark, thus did Noah, according to all that God had commanded him, so did he. That's what God calls salvation by grace through faith. Thus did Noah, according to all that God had commanded him, so did he. And So we see two kinds of faith here. A living faith versus a dead faith. An active faith versus an inactive faith. And so in James chapter 2 verse 17, that's the context of James 2, he says, even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. That's interesting, isn't it? I'll show the faith that I have, the confidence that I have in God, by the things that I do. Thou believe that there is one God, James writes. Thou doest well. The devils also believe, and they trembled. And then he mentions Abraham in verse 21 of James 2. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered his son Isaac upon that altar? Yes. And so it is when Abraham did that which is unthinkable to most of us, when he took Isaac, his only begotten son, to the top of Mount Moriah and then set him upon that altar to offer him up as a sacrifice by the command of God now of course we know that 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 didn't go through but Abraham still did that by faith he did it by faith and believing that, that Isaac couldn't die because he was the son of promise and that God probably would raise him from the dead if that was the case but it was done by faith. Here was his faith. His faith says, I want to do what God said to do, even though this is a son of promise, I want to do what God said to do. And so at that particular point in his life, he says, here's what God is asking me to do right at this point, therefore I will do it. I will do it. I will not ask any questions, I will put it in God's Hands Now, it was not God's choice to allow Isaac to die and raise him from the dead, though he could have done that. What happened was once the test was over, then the hand of Abraham was stayed and a substitute was offered in the place of Isaac. Just as Jesus Christ dies as a substitute for you and for me. But the point is this. Two different kinds of faith and only one that's pleasing to God and that's that living, active, and obedient faith. Now, the greatest test of our faith is soon is seen in this particular area. That's respecting God's silence. God's silence. All of us can here, can say, here is what God has said. Let's take his word, let's do it by faith. But it's also true that we demonstrate our respect for God and demonstrate our faith in Him when He is silent. Now, Jesus on one occasion met a woman whose daughter was possessed by a demon and the text says that Jesus didn't speak a word to her. He didn't say anything, right? And that's rather interesting to me Now take that particular passage in Matthew 15, 23 and I'm reminded what is our response when Jesus doesn't say a word? Can we learn to respect his silence when the Lord says not a word? You know the entire restoration plea is to respect God, what God says and likewise to do what? Respect the silence of the scriptures, Right? As being authoritative as well. And over and over again. We are warned not to add. Nor to subtract from God's word. And as the Bible closes in Revelation. We are not to add. Nor take away from God's word. Revelation 22. 18 and 19. And yet despite this. It's amazing. How careless man will be. With God's written word. The very idea of God having to authorize a particular practice seems misunderstood by so many who find themselves to be religious in nature. Maybe even some who claim to be a member of the church which belongs to Christ and as a result of this misunderstanding there is a complete setting aside of what we might call the very pattern of God's word. They say we reject pattern theology. Well, you cannot mistake the fact that in both the Old and the New Testaments that you still find a divine pattern to follow. And we follow that by faith. The clear-cut commands of God must be followed by faith. And yet, we also respect the silence of the Scriptures as well. Hold fast the form of the pattern of sound words, Paul instructs Timothy in 2 Timothy 1 and verse 13. And yet how often in defense of a particular practice will we hear our friends say something that really is childless? Really, it's immature. Well, the Lord didn't say not to do it. (laughs) Oh, I don't know how many times I've heard that. Well, the Lord didn't say not to do it. We don't typically use that kind of language every day, do we? I know that I would get into trouble if I go to the grocery store and have added to the list that my mother had given me, right? She sent me a list of three or four items to purchase at the grocery store and I knew not to add to that list or else I'm going to be in trouble. She gives me a $20 bill with a couple of items to purchase. That means come back with some change, right? Right? I mean, because it's not gonna cost exactly $20. You go in there, you buy potato chips and soft drinks when you're not authorized to do so, because she was silent on that. She didn't say, I could not buy it. You see, we wouldn't use that analogy in our life, even when, especially with our mother, right, when it comes to that. I, I understand that completely. And I mean that even if you try to sneak the candy bar with some of that change, you're still going to get in trouble because she's going to count that money out. She's going to say, oh, wait a minute, there's $1.50 missing. Where's that? Because she knows. You know, the, the old saying goes, she has eyes behind her head and stuff like that. Well, she just knows. She knows exactly about the price of those items as well, and you can't get away with it. The point being made in all seriousness is that we are to respect God's silence in the same way. Respecting the silence of the scriptures and that too is a test of our faith. So here's a passage. A scripture that we have to be careful that we don't forget. And that's Colossians 3.17. That whatsoever we do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord or by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. Colossians three seventeen. By faith we respect his will and that includes we respect his silence as well. And so we continually ask ourselves as the children of God and really all religious people should ask this question is the practice of which we are doing that is religious in nature is it authorized by the God of heaven? That's a good question. Now let's notice quickly just how God can authorize. For example, we know that in Matthew 28 that we have the command to go therefore and teach all nations, right? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's a command that is given to God's people. The church has that responsibility and yet we understand that's a general command. There is not much said as to how we go about doing that. He just said, go. Go. Well, we can go by today, by plane, train, automobile, or whatever, and teach. Now, if he would have specifically had said, go by train and teach all nations, guess which way we had to go? By train. If he said, go by automobile... And, and that's interesting because in that day and time, they didn't have trains or automobiles. But if he would have said, go by horseback, he would have limited us even today of how we're to go and teach all nations, and that's by horseback. But God's smarter than that, and he just said, go. And all of the ways that we can go, we can go in many ways as long as we what? Go. And that we go by Faith. Various congregations, as a matter of fact, get involved in all kinds of mission work and community activities to promote the gospel to the whole world in compliance with what Matthew 28, 18 through 20 tells us. But sometimes we understand that God authorizes specifically. I take you back to the case of Noah and the ark. There is a case where God authorized through a very specific pattern. God says, hey, I want you to build an ark. And he didn't leave it up to Noah to figure out how to build that ark and the size and what, with what wood to build it with. God chose the size of that ark. It was God who chose the type of wood that was needed to be used. And now somebody said, well, there are many types of go for wood. I am thought, well, how do you know that? How do you know there might be different types of gopher wood? Does that mean you could have used any kind? Yes. If there are different kinds of gopher wood, because he what? He said gopher wood. That's what's what's important. He he said go and use gopher wood. And that Noah followed the example that God had given him. But because he said gopher wood, that ruled out all the other kinds of woods, pine, Or walnut and all those other things, right? Oak and so forth. That pattern God had given him and he did that by faith. But he also knew something about the silence of the scriptures as well. If Noah used gopher wood in the building of the ark, then he excluded all those other kinds of wood. Now we go to Leviticus 10, 1 and 2. We learned that Nadab and Abihu offered up strange fire unto the Lord. Now, don't just rush over what happened there because it indicates they did not respect the authority of God because it says that which God did not authorize, that which God had commanded not. They offered this sacrifice with this fire that was strange. It was unknown to God from a different source, in other words. It wasn't the one that he had authorized. He did not give them permission to use whatever fire that was strange, that was unauthorized. And so we're talking about the importance of respecting the very authority of the Bible, God's Word. When partaking of the Lord's Supper, we, for example, we had the privilege of partaking of the unleavened bread and the fruit of the vine. Very important that we understand that. Specific instructions have been given as to what God deems appropriate for that table. And therefore, if we're going to partake of that Lord's Supper by faith, and we should, then I have got to respect God and what God teaches on that particular subject who inspired those penmen to write down what and how we should do it and when. Right? That brings us back to another point of our worship. It's very rare to find a group of people who worship without the mechanical instrument of music. I mean, we don't do that, but why is that? Not in this assembly. We don't use it in our worship to God because of the desire to go back to the New Testament and our respect to, for biblical authority. It's not authorized. They have the mechanical instrument of music. The scriptures are silent on the issue. Not silent, by the way, with regard to music, for there are two kinds of music. There is the vocal, and there's the mechanical instrument. But the Scriptures are clear in the New Testament that we are under the New Testament today, that New Testament Christians in their assembly would sing hymns, songs, and spiritual songs to the God of heaven. Let's use the instrument, the very instrument that God had given us, and not something that was made by man. There are about eight different passages that are mentioned in the New Testament about that. Totally silent when it comes to something mechanical in nature. But every one of those passages says we are to sing. Sing. So it seems that we can understand this that if we try to figure it all out because God does not want to divert anything away from the heart of man. We are to sing and would make melody in our hearts unto the Lord. And therefore if, if it would seem that if we were to forget, figure this whole thing out as to why that God doesn't want anything to take away from that, that anything that clutters that, that someone is right when they say, "Well, it doesn't say not to," but silence. Other scripture is not an authorization. It's not authorized as well. Singing is. The instrument is not. And therefore, we can demonstrate our respect for the silence of Scriptures and be operating by faith. It is wise and right to say, just leave that alone. Let's not go in that direction. Let's leave that out, for we know this for sure, that the singing is authorized by God and that the God of heaven will be pleased. What we do, we do by faith. And faith means I take hold of God's word and I respect his word in the final manner in all things that are religious. Can we help you even tonight by faith and by the operation of God to obey his will? He has given us the means. He has told us what we need to do and that by faith we can come in contact with the very blood of Jesus by being baptized in that watery grave. But it's by faith that we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, isn't it? It's by faith and understanding that we need to make a necessary change in our life called repentance. It is by faith that we make the confession of faith that Jesus is the Son of God. And then when we go down into the waters of baptism, even though we don't see the blood, we see the water. But when we come up out of the waters of baptism, we know that that blood has been applied to our soul. Can we help you tonight to assist you in your baptism? Or maybe you're a child of God who's wandered away back into the world of sin. It can happen. But by faith, you've decided to come back, realizing your love for Him is greater than that sin, and that you want to repent of that and pray that God will forgive you. And we're with you on that. And we want to help you. If you're in need of the gospel call, the time is now. Won't you come as together we stand and sing?